Welcome to Fool Injectors, a podcast where two car guys try desperately to not talk cars with mixed results. Channel One, you you were too old for Channel One TV. Mm. When I got to high school, and actually it was in my freshman year, they had installed TVs, big fat CRT TVs, in every classroom. And they had Channel One TV, which was a, I think it was nationwide. It was basically a, a broadcast to the, to the kids of America, sort of like a little news snippet thing for like five minutes of homeroom. And I'm sure it was totally clean and no propaganda whatsoever. It was stellar. But uh, and then they would have it. I forget if it was before or after. But it was flanked by a TV production in-house by the uh, by the AV department in the school. So they would have like two anchor students, and sometimes they would interview the football coach. Or I remember Mr. Canellis being on there one time, and it was hilarious. Well, anything with Canellis was hilarious. Canellis is amazing. Yeah, he's probably he probably got if he t- taught today though he'd be he'd be canned. He's running the school. So I get this uh, text from Dad. I think it was on Sunday. And he goes, your mother's been using Zoom, and her phone is not connecting to Wi-Fi, so there was an extra $30 on the bill with their cell phone carrier. And you know how Mom is. I think her phone that she has, she's had for at least six years, maybe seven. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't, like, a top-of-the-line fabulous phone when she got it. It was sort of a mid-range Motorola of some ilk. A carrier special. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the You go into the store, and you say, I will take this phone because I like the shiny red. Can I have the Motorola A1? Uh, no, but we can give you the Motorola T47961XNF. Poop. That exact model. You nailed the model number. That was impressive. Mm, thank you. So, I was talking to Dad, and I said, well, you know, here's the options. Let's take a look-see with uh, the carrier that we have. Um, and they were offering specials for people that were 55 and over, which our parents are, oddly enough. Hmm. And um, so we kind of hammered out the plans, and then he's like, well, you're going to have to talk to your mom about it because she has to be on board with this. So I'm like, okay. So I talked to mom, and we kind of discuss it. And the plans were sort of a no-brainer. It was basically you're going to go with one of these two plans and just pick one. It doesn't really matter because they were all unlimited data, texting, and phone. It was just a matter of some of the details. So then it was a discussion of, okay, what do you want for a phone? (laughs) And this carrier offers a number of different deals. You could get some phones at 50% off. You could get some phones that were like $350 off. And there were some phones that were, if you switch, you can buy one and get a second one um, for free effectively. Yeah, they finance it and it takes it off each month so that way they keep you stuck there for two years but still a really good deal 
So I'm like, yeah, you should probably go with one of these or one of those. And I, they, the thing w- that they were looking at was they wanted to both still have wireless charging because they currently have that on their phones. Yes, seven years ago, Android phones had wireless charging Apple people. <laughs> OnePlus didn't. OnePlus still doesn't. Uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh. I know there's rumors that their next one will, but... Wireless charging is nice. I see the appeal. However, as a OnePlus user now for a, quite a number of years, I think from their the two model on, they had a they used they've had a couple of different names, but I think they currently call it Warp Charge. I don't know what they call it, but the fact that you can get about a fifty percent charge within about twenty minutes time. And have it completely charged in well under an hour is uh, that to me is much more important to have a phone that charges quickly rather than one that oh I could just plop it down on a thing and it charges I don't have to hook up a, a cable to it I don't know personal preference I like the speed of it but that's me you can go on no I I fully understand that um. You know, I do appreciate being able to plug in a phone and have it charge up quickly, but then there's also times where it's just, hey, I can lay it down on the slab and I don't have to worry about finding a wire or plugging it in or anything like that, and then just pick it up and use it, drop it later, whatever I want to do. Um, but in any case, so they, they kind of nailed it down to, there was the LG V60 was, was an option that had wireless charging. There was... Uh, the Samsungs, and it would have especially been the the last year's model, the S10, because the S20s were just way too expensive. Yeah. Um, they were looking at the OnePlus 8 as an option, um, but again, lack of wireless charging. And Dad definitely didn't want to go iPhone, and Mom is used to Android, so the iPhones are pretty much out of it. Yeah. So I said, you know, Pick one of those, go to the store, they'll they'll hook you up with changing it over, you know, and I'm like, if you get there and you have any questions, you know, give me a call before you jump on anything, because I'm around, I'm not doing anything, you're not doing anything. <laughs> Famous last words. So I get a call yesterday. Oh, we got new phones. Oh, really? What'd you get? It was the Samsung, oh goodness, I'm going to mess up the number. I want to say it was the A71. (laughs) Great. So I look it up, and it's a solid mid-range phone. Has okay reviews. It doesn't have wireless charging. What? What? Yeah, they were told that it had wireless charging, and then, as they were sort of hammering it out, realized that it didn't, but the salesman sold them on the idea that, oh, well, you can get this wireless charging accessory that you put in between the case and the phone. Now, this phone, it lists at $600, which kind of makes sense where the S20 models, I think, start around $800. Mm-hmm. But it only lists that because it's the 5G version of oh, the phone. Oh, dear. 
And it's if not even go, a 5G version. No, it's a 5G one. It is a 5G oh, one. Okay. So that is the retail price for it. But if you look at a 4G model of the same phone, you could pick it up on Amazon for 350 bucks. Now, the special that they had was buy one, get one free. So they got, they were getting the two phones that were $600 phones. <laughs> and, and this is a podcast, so you can't see the air quotes that my fingers are doing right now. Quotation fingers. Yeah, so it was basically like, hey, it's on sale to pretty much the street price of the phone. And Dad told me that, well, they said that the other phones that were on sale, the sale was no longer active, that that sale was last week. To which I'm like, no, because it was yesterday we were talking about this. And I was looking at it and all, like, more than half of their phones had sales on. Mm -hmm. And as we're talking about it, I'm clicking away online and I was in a place that didn't have great signal, so it was taking me a little bit of time. But yeah, sure enough, all the sales were still going on. So I'm like, hang on, Dad. You shouldn't spend that money for that phone. This is ridiculous. Do you want me to come down and we can go get this fixed? Mm -hmm. So he's like, yeah. So I went home. I called Leslie. I'm like, hey, I'm going to go down and do this. Do you want to come with? We can bring the dog and and go visit. I get to mom and dad's and we're talking for a little bit and I'm trying to ascertain exactly what the conversation was because you know how dad can be with details or the lack thereof. <laughs> I don't know. Ask your mother. So he made it sound like that, you know, this was the best option for them and and that, you know, there were no other phones considered, that the sale wasn't available for any other phones and that... You know, this was the only way to go. And I'm like, well, that's that's crazy. So let's go to the store. So we go there. And when I get there, they dealt with two different people. And that's always the difficulty, mm -hmm. is who, you, who you're dealing with in the store. So they were first speaking with this girl. And apparently she was newer at the store. And it was talking with her that they moved away from everything else saying that the sales weren't available and over to this other Samsung that apparently she thought had wireless charging. And then when they switched over to this other guy that was a manager or a more senior person at the store, he explained that it wasn't wireless charging. Now, when we, when we re-arrived there, so they were there probably about two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. Now we're back there and it's six. So the girl that they first spoke with is gone, and the guy is there. So I'm like, so why did we go with this phone? And he's like, honestly, I wasn't part of that conversation that was before I got involved with helping doing the switch over the phones. So I'm like, well, are all these other sales active? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. What phones are available? And basically what it came down to was the phone that they bought there that day was the phones that they had in stock. Mm -hmm. All the other phones they would have, have to order. Now, believe me, I understand the idea of, I want it, and I want it now. Mm -hmm. And especially where mom's phone went from, oh, it doesn't really want to hold a charge much to, 
the thing dies when you look at it while they were in the store. <laughs> You're hovering your finger above the screen like, I want to tap you. The phone says, no, don't tap me, daddy. So we kind of bounced around. The first one that we looked at was the, they still had the OnePlus 7T on the Ooh. website. Mm -hmm. And that was listed at $500 retail with a $350 off if you added a line. Really? So it was 150 bucks for the phone. Snap. So I'm like, what's the deal with that? And the guy's like, they're not available anymore. You can't even order them. Oh. That's just to clear out stock. So it's like, okay, well, that's that's understandable. So then it came down to the OnePlus 8, the Galaxy S10, and the LG V60. Now, I'm, I'm also going to interject that this is not the LG V60 Thinkwe. With the dual screen? Or is that even out yet? So that is out. Um, the, the, the thing Kui is just their brand. That is, if you get a top-level LG phone, it's a thing Kui. So right now, I have a LG G8, which is the previous flagship. Non-Thinkui. And it's listed as, No, it's listed as a thing Kui. Mm-hmm as a thank so basically it was just dual screen or not dual screen mm -hmm. and it's like uh yeah don't need the dual screen yeah. it's a level of complexity that nobody needs least of all our parents so we kind of bounced around and it was well the samsung's a year old doesn't have the 5g and we'd have to order it mm -hmm. and not a massive fan of samsung so it really came down between the OnePlus and the v60 so we ended up going with the V60 because it was a little bit cheaper, I think, in the in the long run with the sale. So instead of spending, so the phones are buy one get one free. Because you do know that the Thinkwe is a dual screen, right? That's why I actually brought it up. So they have a V60 that's supposed to open like a book, and if you like to play with emulators, dear goodness, there you go. So they do have a dual screen version. And they have the standard version. They are both listed as Thinkwe. Oh, okay. The dual version is not the Thinkwe. It's just the dual screen version. Just when I heard you talking to mom on the phone, I heard I heard what phone she got. So I was just looking looking up stuff online. I wasn't familiar with it either. Any of the V60s. Mm. So basically, it was either the Samsung A71 for 600 bucks to get the pair of them. Mm -hmm. Or it was the LG V60 for 700 bucks to get the pair of them. And it is better screen, better cam uh I think the cameras are about the same. Better screen, massive step up in processor cuz you get the 865 plus. Ooh. Huge battery. Um, yeah, I saw what is it? 5000 milliamps? Yeah. Yeah. Headphone jack with the quad DAC. The, um, that makes me happy. Oh, yeah. quad, quad DACs make me happy. It's got the wireless charging. It's, it's, just, it's just an absolute powerhouse. And it's $100 difference. It's like nothing. See, that, that's, that's where I... It's, it's frustrating as someone who loves good sound that we're going crazy with 
with phone cameras. Oh, we could take amazing, amazing pictures. And people listen to music. They listen to things on their phone all the time. And yet, most phones, even high-end phones, like my OnePlus, I love my OnePlus phones, but they have basic digital analog converters. And there's very few, that's why I love LG. LG puts out their quad DAC technology. When you play headphones off of that, even for people that don't have, you know, maybe their ears are just, you know, maybe people don't know what to listen for. But when you play the difference between turning on the quad DAC and having it off on an LG phone, it is drastically different. You can, especially when you're listening, if you have earbuds or headphones because you're isolating all the outside noise, that's when you really hear the clarity of a high quality digital analog converter. And it, it makes me sick that you have these phones that do amazing things. I mean, really, the photography, if you get the Samsung S20, I was looking at uh, some reviews, um, YouTube reviews of uh, professional photographers comparing the iPhone 11, Samsung S20 Plus to uh, you know a good Canon DSLR camera. And the DSLR camera takes better pictures in many ways, but the S20 Plus was it's like amazing what you can do with phones today. I mean, not what you can do with professional cameras, but still very amazing. And yet sound quality is I don't want to say garbage, but for people who love excellent sound quality, good high, you know, high fidelity, they just they they're they're not even included cuz most people don't it's not sexy on a spec sheet for most people. As a as a as opposed to like 108 megapixel S20 plus you know camera with you know all this technology, yeah. It's almost like the the prioritizing of convenience over quality. Exactly. Everybody wants to have their their wireless earbuds and just hook it up, and if I can hear my music, that's all I need. And there's there's a lot of detail that gets lost in a lot of types of music. Actually, I was having this conversation with Leslie the other day. It, it, it's funny because if you listen to music historians, they'll talk about how generations of music change and you get this sort of rebellion to the previous generation. And so you'll get this flip-flop where it'll be like dialed down and garagey and then it gets extreme and then it goes the other way and you know, you go from the the techno sounds of the 80s to the garage sounds of the 90s and then back again in the 2000s mm-hmm. and i i would almost put an argument that literally the the most popular music follows the most popular devices that people listen to them on interesting like if you think about if you look at popular rock music of the of the 50s and early 60s it was very simple, very clean, very poppy music because you needed it to sound as bright as you could on AM radios and transistor radios because that's what most people were listening them to on mm-hmm. to them on. Then as audio progressed into the late 60s and through the 70s, there was this big push. There was a lot of high fidelity audio systems that were becoming popular people were uh quadraphonic was becoming popular people were buying high quality pressings on vinyl where you could actually hear a lot of detail and there was a lot of experimentation you look at some of the later beach boys stuff uh 
was really quite intricate music that would have been completely lost on an AM radio. Mm, that's true. But when you when you get to AM, FM and hi-fi, all that detail can be brought out. And then when you get to the 80s, when the cassette became king, it actually kind of dropped in quality a bit. And you see that following along, it was taking your synthesizers that were complicating sounds in the early 70s and now they were simplifying it with drum machines and just making it as simple as it could to sound good over the cassette tapes that people were listening to mm. interesting and then when you get into the 90s you CDs. have the cd revolution and you listen to some of the stuff like what radiohead was putting out or what smashing pumpkins was putting out and all the little tiny nuances that CDs can just pull out of the background with a good audio system that now everybody has. And that music exploded. And then now into the, into the 2000s, into the mid-2000s and into the 2010s, everybody's streaming. Everything is compressed. And if you listen to any kind of live album or any big orchestral arrangement, it doesn't sound that good because you lose a lot of that detail because of the compression, because of the streaming. And you get this sort of thin, basic sound that's become popular because that's the medium that people are listening to. Makes sense. And actually, now that you say that, because I'm very familiar with those technologies and very familiar with... Uh... Because I lived through most of that. <laughs> We're old. You slightly more than me. Uh, yeah. But no, it's true. I know that uh, when it came to, um, you know, really producing uh, great sounding albums that, uh, you know, you, 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 you hear uh, the Beach Boys and you hear the Beatles. And they were always trying to outdo each other. Um in production and and they would they would you know make sure that every single instrument was on point you know tweaked made sure everything was just you know sounding as good as it possibly could and they would spend i don't even know how much i mean you'd, you'd hear how quickly they could come up with the song that they could actually write the lyrics come up with an arrangement but it would take you know more than that time very often to produce it you know, they could just sit down, jam out, sing a song, you know, be able to put something, if they wanted to put a song out quickly, they had the talent and the, the, the writing skills to do that. But yeah, they really, really focused on making sure that when it was produced and when it was the final product was done, that everything sounded exactly the way they wanted it to. And like you said, taking advantage of, at that point, modern technology to, to be able to take full advantage of that. Yeah, I miss cassette tapes. I miss I miss pulling out a tape that gets chewed by the by whatever you're playing it on and you had to like get your pencil or if you had if you had good good a good pinky fingernail, you know, you just stick it in, you're just like twisting and twisting, make sure that the tape doesn't flip over on itself. Yeah, you'd like kind of unwind it and get some of the tape out of the cassette because it might have like curled up a little bit and you just kind of like flatten it out and smooth it and then you roll it in and having it be on the reel for a little while just kind of <laughs> helps it lay flat so the next time it plays it's good and if you're really talented you could actually pry the cassette tape apart 
undo everything, undo the tape, and then just slowly wind it back so you could. But the problem is, as soon as as soon as you had one little wrinkle in that on that tape, if a tape was creased at any one point, the odds of it uh, staying staying smooth and clean and, and winding properly were uh, much much reduced. It would, yeah, tape tapes would fail pretty quickly. It's amazing though, because when we first had compact discs. And I need to understand the full terminology because I'm not going to say the f- proper terminology. But if you listen to to CDs from the 80s and modern CDs, it's the amount of uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's to do with compression. I don't know what if it what it's to do with, but it's a much fuller sound than you had back then. There's quite a difference in in technology. It's just a shame that uh, it's a shame that DVD audio never took off because that was pretty that was pretty trippy when you could play a DVD audio disc on a surround sound and it was just like jamming all around you i've got two or three dvd audio discs and i have no clue where to play them (laughs) that would be amazing i i it is interesting because there was a lot of experimentation with live audio production before recordings were very popular Mm -hmm. you know in, in that early like in that 40s into the 50s kind of range um and we had gone to a uh, a concert. It was a it was a it was a jazz night that they held at a at a movie theater in Lowell, Mass. Mm-hmm. And there was this band there. I can't even remember the name of the band, but they were a cover band for Booker T and the MGs, which they had a big volume of music. But the one song that they're known for is Green Onions which is late 50s, early 60s, and it's that cruising song. Um, if, I, if I have any kind of production value right now as I'm talking, we'll have a little bit of the audio snippet play over it just so that people know what on earth I'm talking about. But go ahead and Google Green Onions, and it'll come up, Booker T and the MGs. And what this band had was what's called a Leslie speaker. L-E-S-L-I-E. He was a, um, he was a, um, inventor and a musician and sort of an audio specialist in the, um, in the field. And he was working to develop a technology where he could recreate the reverb of a larger space in a smaller space. Okay. And so what he came up with was this speaker, and it was basically this, this, it was two sets of speakers. There was a subwoofer that fired downwards, and that covered all your low sounds. And then there was a horn mounted laterally above the subwoofer. And it sat in this box that was roughly the size of (laughs) R2-D2. Now below the subwoofer, there was this metal plate that is affixed at an angle and it's on a spindle Mm -hmm. and that spindle is also attached to the horn up above and on the and it's connected the whole system is connected up to an electric organ so this guy's playing electric organ so basically a stacked electronic keyboard but electric so early a lot of a lot of switches. Boogie, oogie, oogie. 
and it had this cable that was probably about two inches thick connecting everything. Mm-hmm. And it had a potentiometer mounted to the side. So it had this little slide thing where he could just select how fast the speaker was going. Now, originally, what you're supposed to do is dial in the speaker for the for the space, and you try to match what the space is doing, and it makes the space that you're in sound like you're in this huge like concert hall or cathedral, and and get this sort of reverberating sound effect to make the sound seem fuller. Well, what this band was playing around with was instead of trying to match it to the space just crank that dial all the way up and all the way down. <laughs> so now the, the the organist is playing the music, but the sound is getting projected out of the box and it's spinning. So this projection of sound is spinning around the room very quickly and it's bouncing off the walls of the room. And then he would just change the speed and speed it way up and slow it way down. And you could literally feel this wall of sound as it went around the room and bounced around the room and you were being impacted by the sound at all different angles at different speeds to match what effect he wanted it to do and he's just literally playing away and then flick it up and then playing away and he'd flick it down and it was the most surreal experience of music that I have ever remembered in my life. Because I've been to a bunch of great concerts, and you, the sound is amazing, but this was such a strange feeling. It was it was almost unnerving how much the sound moved around you. It's trippy, man. It, it, was, it was really quite excellent. It's like I listen to the song again, and I'll listen to it in my car, and I'll crank it, and I'm like, I mean, this sounds really good, but I'm never going to experience what I experienced that day with that equipment in that room with that guy messing around with it. Mm. Yeah. It's a shame that I think we get ourselves locked in on convenience, whether it's in the car, whether it's at home. Um, you know, and that, and convenience is great because, I mean, convenience is it allows you to quickly, you know, be able to play, listen what you want, but... Um, why I'll always not always I used to but I would love to you know upgrade your your speakers and your amplifiers and you know make sure if you're if you have a home stereo you have proper placement and all that fun stuff to make it an, more of an experience than just throwing something on your your Bose wave radio or just throwing it into your you know playing it off your car radio fortunately um Fortunately, my Lincoln has a has a that that THX system is while it's not amazing, um, it's certainly for up to moderate level, uh, moderate volume levels is is about one of the best sounding factory systems without going, you know, I was just looking today at the at uh, used Volvo S90s if I wanted to get into one of those and I saw a couple of what do they call it? what's what level is it the ins- not inscription. Inscription level? No. It, yeah. Um, it's not inscription. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I want to say it's inscription. Okay. Yeah. But they had the... Momentum and inscription. Yeah, but they had the Bauer, Bowers and Wilkins uh, speaker system. Uh, I was... I just... I saw that. and I, I mean, you know, sometimes you can spend good money on these optional audio systems and they sound like trash because it's more a name than anything else. And But... Um, 
Yeah. But the THX in the in the Lincoln is is adequate. And it's certainly, like I said, for up to moderate levels is a fairly impressive sounding system. But uh, yeah, convenience. I mean, there is something to be said for convenience. I do love the idea of hey, somebody mentions a song and all I have to do is go on YouTube and find the video and I can play it and be like, oh, I know exactly what that is or I've never heard this before in my life. Whereas before you'd have to go down to Tower Records and flip through all the little things in order to find it and drop (laughs) 16 bucks and then try to peel off that stupid plastic cover and then you end up breaking the plastic case and then you get the CD out and then finally... You have to click through to the song, and is it that one? No, is it that one? No. Okay, there it is. And when you get a CD that only has one good song on it, and you like, I just paid twelve ninety nine for a garbage CD with one song that I like. So true. Yeah, but that's why I do. I do keep a, even though I almost never listen to it. I do keep a title subscription because I do have the, uh, you know, to be able to listen to. Um, you know, even just off off of my LG. So I have an LG V twenty which is kind of like my backup phone, and it's also the phone I'll try to download. If I download music, I try to download it onto that because I have a, I believe it's a 256 gigabyte micro SD card in it, so I can store quite a lot of music. Um, but, you know, it's nice with Tidal because you can download, you know, uh, you know, master quality recordings. And so I'll just run the phone, you know, sometimes even streaming, not even music that I've downloaded, just stream title on my phone um through my i have a thx uh 789 amp um which is a really high quality amp for not a lot of money um and just right into my audio technica headphones and it sounds amazing uh it's nice thx if you want to sponsor this podcast thx just get in touch yes yes please do that'd be great I'd like all the all all the THX things. Give them all to me, please. I still have my THX remastered Star Wars VHS trilogy. Yeah, of course you do. I don't even have a VCR I could play them on. <laughs> oh, I that's actually something I need to purchase as a VCR because I have so many VHS tapes. Is it VCR tapes or VHS VHS tapes and a VCR? As a VCR tapes. I don't know what it is. It's just, it's tapes that you put into a VCR. I think technically there's a difference, but it's kind of one of those things where it just becomes, you know, like the Sony Walkman. Like you could say Walkman, and even if you didn't have a Walkman, hey, I've got a little thing that plays music, usually tapes, and you could just say Walkman and people would know what you're talking about. It's kind of like the same thing. So I think technically VHS is different from VCR. Don't get me into that. That's like 30-year-old conversation that I don't even remember the tech, the the specifics on. VHS is the format. VCR is the device that plays it. There you go. But there is there is something else though, because there was, I don't know. Again. There was beta. Oh, that's true. There was beta. Beta was the one that failed. Yes. Oh, have you ever? Okay, so so have you ever watched the YouTube channel Technology Connections? No. Okay. You, I. Oh God, I don't think you would like him. I find him absolutely hilarious. He's got the driest wit, like he'll just sort of roll out jokes that are tucked into everything. Um, but 
his explanations of stuff is pretty long and pretty drawn out. Like he'll hit every detail on whatever it is he's talking about. And he'll, he'll take them apart, but he'll do a lot of like little in jokes that he just does it so dry and it'll crack me up, but he's done breakdowns on the format wars between VHS and beta. Um, what Laserdisc was. Laserdisc, actually, I didn't even know this because I was too young, but Laserdisc predated uh, VHS. It did. Um, yeah. And there was another company that was actually working on a, um, a record. So it was like a, it was a, a physical record size, so like the size of a Laserdisc. But it was a physical format to do video. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there was actually like a needle pickup to project the image off of a disc, but it had to be like super finely engineered. They, they made like, like, I don't know, somewhere around a hundred different copies. And it was, it was in that late seventies, early eighties. It only existed for a couple of years and then it just failed miserably, but they were working on it for like 20 years. <laughs> and so he has these like, like three or four episode compilations where each episode is like half an hour long and he tears apart how it works and you know why it failed and what stupid decisions were made and it's it's a very deep dive but a bit esoteric but if you if you ever are feeling bored and you got some time to kill technology connections i i, I recommend it all right maybe someday so so how uh how is how are mom and dad with their new LG V60s? So, I got to say, so when I first walked in there, the guy was kind of like, "Okay, why is this guy back here again, and why is this other kid with him?" <laughs> so I started asking about the phones and like, what are the options? And then I started like kind of just probing because I didn't want to just come out and be, "You people are awful people taking advantage of my poor old parents." They are poor old parents. Oh, they're so cute. So, you know, after a little while, we were kind of going back and forth, and it was, you know, we could get you the LG within a day or two. We'd have to order them. Okay. And it was like, is there any restocking fee? Because they'd already taken the new phones, the, the Samsung phones. They had screen protectors on them. You know, it's like they were they were covered in fingerprints covered in fingerprints (laughs) you know i'm thinking okay this is going to be 75 bucks a pop and a restocking fee and the guy said nah nah we'll take care of that so i'm like okay cool you know great guy to work with so dad i called dad earlier today um had to bring the dog to the vet for his checkups Mm -hmm. and um gave dad a phone call and they were like, oh, we're actually on our way to the store right now to pick them up. They came in a day early. Hey. So I just got a little bit of triage from mom because they literally just fired them up and she had to go on a Zoom meeting. <laughs> and she's like, I, I called her um, because Leslie had hit her head and was feeling woozy. So yeah. I wanted to check with mom. So everybody, this is episode two. Our mother is a registered nurse. <gasps> so anytime anybody has any kind of ailment it's well did you call mom <laughs> what did mom say so leslie bumped her head call mom i know you're in a zoom meeting but can i talk to you for five minutes 
She's like, okay. So we kind of run through everything. She's like, yeah, I'll, I'll call you back, but you should be fine. I'm like, okay. And then she goes, you're going to have to hang up. I don't know how to hang up this phone. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I'm expecting over the next two weeks to get many frantic phone calls and text messages of, I got this email. I don't know where it went. Where do I find my email? Yeah. But she said she likes it. She, it, she's excited to learn it, actually. She, she, she's like, you know, everybody had to learn Zoom and everybody had to kind of move ahead with the times and it's just another phone. I'll figure it out, which is a massive change from two days ago. And it's, I don't know if I can give up my phone. I know how my phone works. Old people rejoice. Zoom has taught us that we need to test stuff out and figure stuff out. You can't go over the falls in the barrel. <laughs> no, so. It is true, though. It's and I, and I understand. It's when you're so used to something to, to, to have to start over, especially when you don't fully understand what each function is. You just have gotten to... You know, it's kind of... It, I'm kind of like in between. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I figured out and that I know how to do. But if you ask me tech you know, uh, technically why I do what I do. It's like, I can't always give you an answer. I just know if I, if I tap on this or if I swipe over here, it'll do this. You know, uh, I get a little bit lost. So I can understand, you know, especially when you've had a phone for so long. Um, it's tricky. Yeah, I, I think I think her phone actually dates back to when Motorola was it was either still Motorola or when they had just sold off to Google? Because um, Dad's phone, because they both had Motorola's, but Dad had renewed her phone, his phone like a year or two afterwards, because mm-hmm. I think he broke his, and they are totally different devices. Yeah, just just everything on them is completely different. So, yeah, they'll get there. It is a big phone though. It's a six point eight incher. Really? The the V sixty. It is. It fills the hand. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, that's bigger than that's bigger than my OnePlus six. And I know there are times where, you know, I'm laying down and I want to swipe, and I'm like, oh, my thumb can't reach the opposite corner. I have to like drag out the second hand, especially if you're like lying down on your side, like using it one hand. It's like ah, yeah modern modern people problems i remember my 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 motorola phone that i had before it um it was a big phone and it was really big in the hand it was actually kind of slippery to hold because it was metal on the sides Mm -hmm. and they had this feature where you had a gesture where if you like grabbed from like the middle of the lower third and swiped down to the corner it took the whole screen and like shrank it down to a half screen in that corner the idea being if there was something in the up, say you were holding in your left hand and there was something in the upper right corner, you could actually like drag the screen down to the lower left corner and now you could reach it. Mm. The problem was is that gesture was one of the most inconsistently functioning gestures. So I would be like, swipe down to the corner. Swipe to, no, I didn't want to tap you. No, back to home. Okay, swipe to, 
why aren't you working? And I would try to make it work, and then I would give up on it. I'm like, this isn't going to work. And then all of a sudden, one day, I would have this day where it just wanted to swipe down in the corner, even if I looked at it funny. And so I'd be like typing, tapping away, and all of a sudden, that's, that's like, why did you shrink? I want you to go back to normal. Wait, no, you're shrinking again. Why are you shrinking again? It was I, I just went into the settings and shut that function off because it was just so infuriating. Yeah. But they'll figure it out. It's it, most Android phones, and I mean, I guess, I guess it's the same for Apple phones. Apple phones, Android phones. You start getting used to it. You you get used to it very quickly. You know, that's that's the advantage over uh, <laughs> over anything Windows. <laughs> What's wrong with Windows? Well, my first my first smartphone was made by a company called HTC, which I believe just went defunct um or went defunct within the past couple of years uh but ht i had the htc mogul which was a slider you could actually slide you know the whole screen stayed put but then the bottom half of the phone would slide out and gave you a, a, a hard key keyboard which was great you know actually i mean i liked the functionality of of things like that um, and it, and it also had a, a pointer so you could, uh, you know, you could take it out of, I don't know, whatever little socket it came out of and be able to use that. And instead of trying to tap the screen, so it was a touch screen and it did have the hard buttons, but it was oh like a, like it had a stylus, a stylus. Yes. Sorry. Not a pointer. Okay. Okay. But it was a windows based phone, which meant that you needed to understand everything windows and I had that phone for, I think I used that phone for about a year and a half um, before I got my, I think I got, I think I got the Evo, the uh, HTC Evo to replace it, which was a, which was the, one of the first Android phones, one an early Android phone. It was an old four button style Android phone that I loved. That was a great, great, great phone. Um, but I had that I had that HTC phone for a year and a half, a year, year and a half. And I I would estimate I understood about 30% of how to use it. You know, I could make calls, I could send emails. Um there were certain things, you know, texts, things like that I could do, but I could not I could not figure it out. And then I get the HTC Evo, same company, Android, and phew, I mean everything was simple. It just everything was easy to figure out. Now the funny thing was is that I had that phone for a couple of years and then uh replaced it with a newer Evo and but in the meantime mom had gotten her first her first uh phone. But it was when Android had just switched from a four button style to a three button. And I had that first Evo with the four button for like I said I think a year at that point maybe a little bit longer. And when she got that phone, it was the three-button Android style, which basically meant they changed all of the menus and sub-menus and everything and how it worked. And because you helped her get that phone, and then I came by to visit, I think that day, or within the next day or two, and she said, James, I, I'm trying to figure out this phone. And I said, don't worry, Mom. Like, let me let me help you get it set up. What do you want on it? And it took me f- about 40 or 45 minutes to de-learn everything I knew about Android and then relearn this new three-button style. But once you do, I mean, it's 
you know, really you understand everything about the phone. It's just understanding, you know, and these days with Android and, uh, you know, you can go into developer options. You can, you can tailor absolutely everything you want, which is, that's where I sometimes get stuck on is trying to figure out, okay, it's like, I want to, you know, how do I go in and clean out the cache on these apps or, which I can do. It just, you know, it takes me a little while to find stuff, but yeah, quite, quite the difference from that first phone. That first HTC. I remember being in the store that day with mom and dad as they were picking out phones. And it was mom's first smartphone. And it was a um, it was a Samsung Galaxy Nexus. So Samsung was first starting off their, their Galaxy brand. And then the Nexus was Google's... Um, oh, what do they call it? It's a reference brand, I want to say it was. So they would team up with a manufacturer and they'd say, make a smartphone work this way, because this is what we want all Android smartphones to work like. Mm -hmm. And so they did a Nexus with HTC. They did a Nexus with Samsung. They kind of like went around the board and did a Nexus with each of them to kind of try to get everybody on the same page. And the great thing about Nexus, it was sort of like the predecessor to what Pixel is now, which was it was to be very basic android and to get all the updates like as soon as possible so i'm like yeah mom if you get this one you get the you get the ice cream sandwich android <laughs> and not the uh not the kit kat and she's like okay i'm like it's the newest version of the software she's like oh okay so then we were looking at other phones and dad's like maybe you should just get this one she's like but that one doesn't have the ice cream sandwich. <laughs> you know what, though? That was great. Uh, Android was great for their operating system names. And I don't know. I actually, because I've been buying OnePlus phones now for a while, I actually don't pay attention to what system they run off of because, um, you know, OnePlus will keep their oper their oxygen operating system very, very close to stock Android, but they have a, a different numbering system. So it runs off of... Kit Kat ice cream, uh, ice cream sandwich, whatever it is, um, but you know they just don't call it that. And I've I've been so loyal to OnePlus now for I think seven, seven, six, seven years, seven, eight years, um, whatever it is that uh, you know I don't pay attention. But it was it was it was a very very ingenious way of figuring you know keeping in mind operating systems because they all went in alphabetical order. But had something very, very unique. But it, because they did alphabetical order, you knew, well, you know, A comes after, you know, or A, you know, I comes after whatever. Uh, yeah, I think you have it out of line because it's ice cream sandwich. Then it was... Jelly bean. Jelly bean. And then Kit Kat. So before... Yeah, let's see if we can remember what it was. So before ice cream sandwich, it was... It would have been H... But H, I think H was a, um, might have been a tablet software, because I think for a while they were sort of alternating mm. between tablet and smart and smartphone. So I think it was, I, I think it was E, it might have been Eclair was the one previous. Okay. On the smartphones. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've given up. I know, I know the last go around, they had a big to do last year when they switched to Q and nobody knew what they were going to do and they just called it Q. They didn't give it a candy name. Mm. And I forget if they've... I forget where they're at now. Yeah. I've kind of given up caring on that part. 
yeah like i said i i don't i think i think with phones today the advances that you see are so incremental they're so they're such small increments that you know i when you know i i know it's funny because i know people that don't know anything about technology um and it seems to be now i don't want to upset anyone but it definitely seems to be more for the iphone crowd than the android crowd and i think a lot of it is because Android is customizable. Android is kind of more for the techie type. Um, the ones that really like to, to tweak everything and have something personalized. So I think you just tend to understand things a little bit better. So you don't get so hyped up over, oh, this has the new blah, 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 you know, retina screen or this. For, you know, the things that Apple throws out there. Like, oh, but this has this, but it's... Do you even know what that is? Do you even know what that'll do? What kind of pictures will that take? What kind of, you know, how will this make your life easier? But it's, well, I don't know, but it's the 11 or it's the 10 or the X or whatever. And, you know, I see people that get so caught up in getting the brand new iPhone and they don't use any of the features that makes it better than the previous model. So they get this this phone with a, a fen- phenomenal camera, you know, for for a phone, and you know they're taking pictures of their food and putting it up on Instagram. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like, but you just spent like eleven hundred bucks on this phone. Think of what you could have done with eleven, you know, with eleven hundred dollars. It's like you could go out and get an amazing camera that has Wi-Fi that you could that you could you know share it to your phone and ha- and take you know. I, I'm not gonna get into that. But I, 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 I got to say, it's like you, you look at what iPhone's done and the most amazing thing they've come out with this last year was the SE version of the iPhone. Mm. And people will still stretch for the nicer one because it is a nicer piece in the hand. But nine out of 10 Apple users just get the SE. It's so cheap and it's actually really good. I mean, I've given it side eye a few times and I've been I've been an Android user since the beginning you're reaping the benefits of all those that spent the big bucks on the big apple iphone yeah and that's the thing it's you know i think i think what really impressed upon me you know what do you really need in a phone is when we went to the azores a few years back and i had i had two i had uh the very first one plus phone the one plus one and i had that for work um, that would be two. One plus one equals two. Stop it. So I had switched to T-Mobile. I had bought a different type of phone to try out T-Mobile on my personal line. And then because T-Mobile works so well, I said, I'm going to get this one plus one phone because it was ridiculously cheap for the specs that you got. And it's a fantastic phone, but it's the very early model. And that phone at that point was, I think, three or four years old when we went on that trip. And I had the newer model, the OnePlus 2, which supposedly had the better camera. But I found myself using the OnePlus 1 because I needed to keep my work phone with me just in case someone tried to contact me. And I was taking pictures all over that island, some phenomenal pictures that I still go back and look at and go, I just, I'm amazed at how, the, the place is so beautiful. And the camera took exactly what it needed to. Now, granted, if I had a, 
you know, if you could take an iPhone 11, go to the Azores now, and you compare the pictures, yeah, your pictures will look better. But it's 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 kind of like walking into a. I always say I always compare it to walk go walk into Best Buy. You know, walk into Best Buy. Hopefully, they're still around when this podcast comes out. Walk into Best Buy, <laughs> and you take a look at all these TVs, and you just want to find the best looking one. Just find the best looking one. Well, I found a TV that looked really really nice, and was inexpensive. And the thing, the other thing I liked about it is it had a, a sound bar, a built-in sound bar at the bottom, so you can get a surround sound without having to buy extra equipment. And it looked nice. As soon as I got home, like, how am I going to compare this to anything once I'm home? It looks great in my in my living room. And if it doesn't have the the blackest of black screens, and it, you know, maybe it's not as vibrant, or maybe you know, whatever the case, once you get it off, once you get it separated, you don't know. You don't you don't know what it looks like in comparison, and and same thing. It's you take good pictures, and you can compare it with another phone that could take a better picture. Now, granted, if we're talking a ten year old phone or eight year old phone now with the brand new phones that are coming out, yeah, I mean, I would invest in a phone like that for the camera ability. But still, I could show you pictures from that trip in the Azores four and a half years ago with a phone that's seven or eight years old, and you'd go, these pictures look amazing. And, you know, what'd you take them on? Oh, I took it on a on a first-generation Chinese, Chinese-made phone, you know, with, I don't even know the megapixels One on it. One plus? Maybe. What's that? <laughs> don't buy from China. Actually, I don't... Everything's from China. Yeah. But, great phone. But I, I, I am a big fan of LG um, just for the fact that they, in their high-end phones, they put those quad decks and sounds sound fantastic. I mean, that's the problem that the smartphone industry is having all, all across the board. I mean, even even Apple, who makes just billions and billions of dollars off of selling iPhones, their profits have slowed down because it is such an incremental change. I mean, when I first... You know, I mean, I had a couple of phones when I first started working, and they were literally just phones. Like, you could... Actually, my first phone was just a phone. My second phone was a Nokia that I could play Snake on. <laughs> um, and then I remember we got... Leslie and I had gotten married. It was the early 2000s. And I got a Sony Ericsson phone. And it had this, this uh, attachment that you could buy extra. It was like another 30 or 40 bucks. That was a digital camera, and you could take pictures with your phone, mm-hmm. and they literally looked like a two-year-old drew them. They were so blotchy and so pixelated. It was it was it was about the quality of like Super Mario Brothers kind of picture, and it was just we. I think we took like three pictures and then laughed, and then I took those attachments and put them in a box. And they're probably somewhere in the office right now, just in a drawer. But once you get up to, I had, I think the HTC One mm-hmm. was when I got to the point. That was when HTC first made that that all aluminum chassis phone. Yep. And it was a design that that the it it Apple when they switched to that last chassis that they had before. 
the current phone. So now they get the all-screen one with the notch. Then before that, they had the one with the home button on it at the bottom. This phone looked like those phones before those phones came out. Hmm. And to me, that was the last massive change where I got that phone and I'm like, this is so much better than anything that came before it. And the, the, the calls are better. The sound was better. The video was better. The screen was great. I dropped that thing a billion times on the ground <laughs> and it just took it like a champ. And, and everything after that, you know, every phone I've had since has been better, but nothing that was, oh yes, this is, I need to have this so much more than my previous. It was just, oh yeah, the camera's a bit better. Oh, the screen's a bit better. Yeah, it's a little bit faster, but nothing, nothing that changed the way I was able to use it. Yeah. And it's been like that for a good five, six, seven, eight years now. Phones. I could talk forever on phones, so let's not. Yeah, this other podcast for listening about phones. <laughs> so let's talk about watches. 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 Why are we talking about watches? Why can't I just be looking at watches on my computer right now like I am? <laughs> I see. I see how it is. This conversation has been so enthralling for you. That's why we've got literally... <laughs> Literally singles of listeners. Yeah, I'm just looking Not at... Not even uh, tens. Right now I'm looking we at We look Ashford, up to tens. And I'm looking at a Ball Engineer Master 2 men's diver diver watch. Oh, you're going to have to put that link in the show notes. Okay. Actually, how do I do that? Just copy the link and put it in a, in a set of notes and then I'll incorporate it with the podcast. All right. Actually, link in the show notes. Yeah, no. Ashford has uh, Ashford actually has twelve percent off their entire stock with a coupon. Ashford, if you want to sponsor this podcast, <laughs> oh, that would be great. I'd be in so much trouble if they did. I'd be like, Ashford, what can you get me? So, what do you look for? What 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 is your what is your favorite thing in watches? What do you look for in watches? What what are your bugbears that you can't stand in watches um uh, i mean let's what let's let's get down to brass tacks okay okay everybody is carrying a supercomputer that has absolutely perfect accurate time on it thanks to to interwebs so the only reason anybody really wears a watch is because it's the only universally acceptable male jewelry. <laughs> True, because not many women care about watches that much. Or they do, and the watch industry really doesn't know how to market to them. They either, they either try to sign off like cheap fashion watches that are, when I say cheap, they're cheap quality. Um, what do I look for in a watch? I don't, I don't really have anything particular that I look for, because... Like you said, it is. It's it's kind of like your men's jewelry. Although I will say that for me, a watch is a necessity because if I don't have something on my wrist, I feel I feel naked. Now I go to sleep every night. I do not go to sleep with a watch on. I do not take a you know. Some watches are like, oh, these are safe to take in the shower. To me, it's like I want to get clean, so I don't know. I'd rather have my wrist be clean as well. 
So I don't... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you saying that you go to sleep naked? I will not... <laughs> I will not disclose that information. No, I do not. I just want to say that. I don't want people trying to picture me naked. So no. Um, but I don't like wearing a watch when I go to bed. I don't like wearing a watch in the shower. Um, but if I'm out and about, I need to have a watch on my wrist. If I don't, I feel like something is massively missing. So I've always worn a watch. You know, unless I'm at the beach or if I'm playing sports or something, then it comes off. Um, I don't... And that's the thing. It's I do feel of it... I do feel watches as more as... I mean, for the longest time, I just wore a fossil watch. I didn't have... I didn't, I didn't care what it looked like. It was just I put it on my wrist and that was it. It's only been in the last few years that I've cared more about, you know, what I'm wearing on my wrist, what it looks like, what it does, what features does it have. Um, so, yeah, it is a fashion statement because I am not a fan of... I know there's a lot of people that love Casios, that love G-Shocks, that, you know, they want something that they can wear everywhere. I do appreciate the fact that you can wear a G-Shock, you know, go hiking... Uh, you know, go swimming, go camping. It's like, and you don't worry about banging it off stuff. I appreciate that. But because I don't do a lot of those things, um, or if I do, I'm not super rugged, super hardcore in those things. I, I don't have a watch for that. So, you know, I'll just put on my whatever. I don't really have a, a good beater watch yet. I kind of do. I do have, I do have a Timex Explorer. So if I'm going to go out if, if I was going to go out on a hike, if you said, hey, James, let's go hiking, or let's do this, then I would break out the Timex Explorer because it's a cheap quartz, but, you know, we'll do the job. And maybe, maybe you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be out of it. You know, I wouldn't object to getting a G-Shock. But for the rest of the time, for the rest of the occasions, you know, if I'm wearing, if I'm wearing my suit, you know, I like to have either a nice, either a dressier watch or I've got a... You know, I've got a, a nice uh, a diver watch that looks more of a more dressy that I like to wear. But I like to have diversity. I like to have a variety. I like to have different features. Um, to me, I want I want to have watches for every occasion. I want to have watches that will look good in my watch box. I've I've bought a six watch watch box. I don't mind having one on my nightstand when I go to sleep, so seven is the most I want in my collection. And I just like to have... So, I have two quartzes, which I think is good. I have a, a, a quartz chronograph, uh, which it's actually a mecha quartz, so it's nice because it kind of looks like an automatic. But um, I do need to get a dress, like a really nice dress watch. I have that seagull dress watch that I showed you. That's really simple, really nice, really understated. Looks good, you know. Is that the uh, is that the one with the open heart? No, no, that was okay. so that dress watch that I got. It's the it's the manual wind, so it's super thin. I think it's, I think it's six oh, millimeters okay. thin, so it's really supposed to slip under a cuff. Um, but I am gonna replace that. That's that's leaving the collection. But I don't know. It's kind of it's that's the that's the great thing about watches is that. Um, you can be very specific in your taste. You can, you know, have a one or two or three watch collection that it's just, these are my go-tos. This is all I worry about, but I want those one, two or three watches to be the best that I can buy. Um, you have people that will spend good money on watches 
because they really want to spend good money on watches. I would love to spend good money on watches. I don't have <laughs> that type of money, but I do like I do like to collect. I do like to to tinker. I do like to kind of mix and match. But it's kind of a wide open thing. So I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. What do you what do you have to say about that? No, I fully agree that the idea of a watch, um, it's like any other tool. It needs to be fit for purpose. Um, I think it's really important to to be able to have it. It needs to be useful. It needs to be something that you know. Th- there's time for wearing a nice leather pair of dress shoes. And that same time, you need to be wearing a nice dress watch. If you're wearing a calculator watch <laughs> or something with Snoopy on it. Um, or a Seiko I mean, Monster. It... I love my Seiko Monster. I know you do. That's a great looking watch. Um, it is a killer watch. Um, but it does not go with dress shirts. I've actually frayed many a cuff because of the beastly bezel on the Seiko Monster. Mm. So I... I typically only wear my Seiko Monster when I'm on vacation. That's my vacation watch. Because when I'm on vacation, I rarely, if ever, am wearing a dress shirt. I might wear a dress shirt for like one evening. I'll usually pack a dress shirt and tie um, if I ever need to. And I might wear it that evening. And it is a nice enough watch where I can get away with it. um, Because it is a nice bright stainless steel. And a simple black face on it. Um but it's really my vacation banger. You know, if I'm away for the weekend or I go on vacation, I'm, I'm wearing my Seiko monster. Um, my daily driver is a smartwatch. Uh, and I, it irks me that I've become dependent on it. Um, I haven't actually been wearing it as religiously lately. And the reason being is because work is so slow. Mm. Um, for the longest time, the whole reason I wanted that smartwatch is because I would have to get up at 3 in the morning or 4 in the morning to go to work. And the only way I could do it reliably is if I had a cascade of alarms. A cavalcade? A, a cavalcade. A veritable cornucopia of alarminess. <laughs> and so my first alarm would be the vibration on the smartwatch because hopefully if that was enough to wake me up, then I'm not waking Leslie up and she gets to still sleep for another four hours as I get up and go to work in the pitch black of morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of put me on the smartwatch train. Currently it's a, it's a Samsung galaxy sport, um, which they don't make anymore. I, I think I, I've had it for two years now. Um, and it's, I like it because it was the slimmest of the Samsung watches. It has the nice rotary bezel, so it has an easy interface. Um, it's a little flaky. I have issues with notifications on it. Sometimes I get stuff, sometimes I don't. Um, but generally, you know, that's my sort of daily driver. I have a nice slim seagull watch, uh, with a blue face, um, it's sort of reminiscent of a uh, Omega Seamaster. I really like that one. The only problem is the metal band with it is just a hitch on the small side. Mm. Um, 
so I'm usually wearing that with either leather or a, or a nice NATO, um, which kind of takes away from the dressiness of it if I'm wearing a NATO on it. Um, let's see, what else do I have? I have a G-Shock. I have a um, an analog G-Shock, one of the more basic analog G-Shocks, but I do like that one. That's kind of, if I'm doing anything really rugged that day, like if I'm going hiking or if I'm going mountain biking or something stupid like that that's kind of my my go forth and being an idiot watch <laughs> uh, which is something you do very well thank you i appreciate that <laughs> um what else do i have i've got a couple other just random um quartz watches i've got a aviate that looks like a flying uh you do aviation watch I don't know yet. Yeah, I have an Aviate. Oh. It's not a great one. I, I, I bought it because I really liked the way it looked, and then I got it, and I was like, mm, okay, i got to do more research next time I buy a watch. <laughs> but it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, they, they do have watches that look great on pictures, and I don't think I've actually seen one in person. But, I you know, you see them on video. It's funny when you see a watch that's in a, you know, that's in an advertisement, and then you go to YouTube and you look at it and you go, oh, that looks really nothing, <laughs> you know, nothing like I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. When I got it, I'm like, oh, okay. And it's a bit big. Um, I don't like how big it is on my wrist. Mm. So I don't wear it nearly that much. I've got a couple, of, I've got a nice Timex uh, chronograph. Um, they have a series of chronograph watches, and they're all the same movement. Um, it's not a Mecca Quartz, it's just a regular chronograph, but... They usually range in like the hundred-ish dollar range, and it, you know this was back when I knew nothing about watches, so I bought it because I liked the band on it. It had a rally band with the large holes, mm -hmm. um, but that's a fine watch. You know, I've beaten the tar out of it, and it still works. Um, the two that are on my radar, the two that that I kind of want to get, I would, I want to get my hands on a Vostok. Okay, like just an old school dirty nasty russian analog watch mm -hmm. are you gonna um, are you gonna mod it because that's like that's like the one two seiko vostok modding communities oh yeah 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 i love i love seeing the guys where they they do that thing with the egg wash and they'll peel the chrome off of it so you just have the brass um but no no i i I've looked at getting a Vostok, and I, I've just never pulled the trigger. They're not that expensive, but you got to oh, find cheap. a good. A, you got to find a decent importer for them. That's the trick. You got to get it from the right source. Do you know where to get it? I've looked into it, and I've, I've, I've just. They do a lot of designs with the with the watch faces, and I've never like been able to pull the trigger on the one that I want. That's the right face at the right time. I've kind of just gone in and out of it. So one of these days. I will pick one of those up, and then the the other one that I've got my eye on is the um, the Seiko uh, Cocktail Time. Mm. See, I've never. That's, that's well, the Cocktail Time is very nice. In fact, the Cocktail I Time is gorgeous. So, um, I know one of the so uh, uh, Jody from Just One More Watch YouTube channel. Um, he buys his. Because he's bought in Vostoks before. He usually buys it from Marinom. Have you heard of them? Yes, I have seen their website. Yeah. So that seems to be a trusted... trusted. So, and it's true. You and, and Vostok actually makes a... You can buy a GMT Vostok, I think, for less than $100. Yeah. 
which is ridiculous. I mean, you're, you're talking, you know, I mean, GMT auto and, and an automatic movement too, not not a quartz. You know, GMT automatics. You're talking; those are at least five hundred dollar minimum. You know, from pretty much anywhere else. But yeah, Voss stocks are interesting. I just uh, it's kind of like the objection to China. It's like. Don't want to buy anything Russian right now. <laughs> Maybe stay away from that for a little while. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 sort of its own idea of getting it, but to to me, it's just it's such a different. It, it's got a different mentality about the design of it. Mm. You know, it's 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 not so much about like everybody in the West sort of chased the swiss precision you know swiss led with the precision you know the japanese did their own sort of take on it and and the russian watches were no this thing's got to be rugged this thing needs to still work in siberia for crying oh yeah loud. no they're yeah they're incredibly incredibly rugged that's the thing and and like anything if you get an automatic watch you know one if you if you want to take the time to regulate it you can make it you know you can make it very accurate so if you wanted to get into that, but that's the thing, it's, if you get into Vostok, you probably will get into regulating it because you'll be taking apart and doing all sorts of things. I did see, um, there was one Vostok that, that it always had my eye and it was sitting on eBay for a while, but it was a, it was a commandeer ski and it had a red dial and they had, uh, whoever had it had switched to a, uh, Milanese bracelet. So it just, it was a very, very, very attractive watch um and actually was the uh it was the kind of that watch itself was what got me into purchasing so i'll i keep an eye out um on well it's now called drop but on mass drop although they've gone away from their kind of overstock and like special pricing to now it's just they kind of it seems like they throw a lot of the same stuff up there um but they did have a nice uh fairly nice the specs are nice it's not the most it's not the the greatest looking watch ever um but it's a nice watch and it was for 129 dollars but i got a fortuna uh and i forget the br i forget the model but it's a nice red dial it's red dial across until you get to the to the chapter ring and then it's it's so it's got a white border but with a red center uh nice hands it has uh, a sapphire crystal. Uh, it runs a Seiko NH35 movement, and you know it was for 129 bucks. It was a really good deal. I bought the watch. It looks nice, but it doesn't. You know, I I was hoping it would really like stun in your hands, but it doesn't. The 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 casing is basic. Uh, the in the inner. Um, the inner part of the case is, you know, there's no bevel on the chapter ring. It's just completely flat with the face. And then, and then it's, it just, it, it looks basic, but it's a nice watch. You know, I could put it on and get a lot of compliments on it. So I got that for short money and that's kind of what I'm doing. I've got a, I've got a couple of nice pieces, you know, I've got, uh, you know, I've got, uh, a glycine combat sub, which, uh, if anyone wants to look it up, the GL0076, uh, which has a dark gray dial with a uh, 
stainless steel uh, bezel insert uh, Arabic numerals just looks really really sharp uh, for what it is I like to wear that a lot and then I have my my Orient Star World Timer don't ask me the don't ask me the number don't ask me the model number because it's it's long it's like I think it's like WZ0041DV I think I might be giving you I might be giving you a different Orient Star watch and if you look that up and if it's a red faced watch if you ever find it, please buy it for me, because it is <laughs> it is total vaporware, and it is such a beautiful watch that um, if I could ever find it, I would buy it on the spot, and I would just try to figure out later how to pay for it. <laughs> I could be like, zero dollars, and it's like, I have seven dollars to go to McDonald's to buy my last meal. It's like, if I saw it, I'd be like, slap the credit card down, I'm getting that. <laughs> I will gladly pay you Tuesday for this watch today. Uh, but I, I do, you know, watches are, it's, it's, it's interesting because they have taken on, it's been quite the renaissance with, uh, you know, especially with automatic watches. I think, um, you know, automatic watches have always existed. You had the quartz crisis in the 70s that almost made them extinct. A lot of watchmakers did go out of business. Um, but, there was always automatic watches being made and that's continued, but it's really been over the past 10 years that I think, um, you know, we've kind of gotten away from, I think, and I think par- I, I bet probably a big part of it is the fact with our technology is that, you know, we have the ability to find out the time whenever we want because we have a smartphone on us. So not a big deal. So, you know, you can have an automatic watch that, you know, these days, if, if you can have a watch that's, five seconds a day off or under that's you're doing very well and you know that would be a, a bad quartz movement you know it would be five seconds a month off yeah maybe a good quartz movement but you know it's quite the difference you know if you're looking for accurate time um but just kind of that i think that emotion uh having something on your wrist that's mechanical that is this complex combination of gears and cogs and you know springs and just everything working together to actually give you a fairly accurate idea of the time and you know in a fairly attractive package you know to have and to be able to buy something that speaks to you you know that's what I like I'm not a huge fan of Seiko um, but I do just love the the mass amount of models that Seiko puts out I love the fact that they have models that they've that they've had out for so long that there's, you know, you can build custom watches with just Seiko parts. Um, and there's also there's also vendors out there that will make their own parts for these Seiko watches. And you could put together some, you know, really amazing looking watches with just, you know, just mixing and matching different Seikos. You can do that with Vostoks. You can do that with a yeah. few other brands too. But it just... I forget. I forget which model it is. It's it's the sixty one sixty three or something like that for Invicta, which has a Seiko movement, and it is like the modding community's like small block Chevy. <laughs> you just get it. You grind the Invicta name off of it. You change the face. You change the bezel. You just swap everything out. I've seen people make like picture perfect replicas of uh, Tudor watches. Mm. Using an Invicta as a starting point, I'm like, I want to, I want to, I want to do that. And then I look at the time and the tools it takes, and it goes, I, 
I have no patience or skill <laughs> to do that. You know, honestly, if if I want something to look like another watch, uh, just go on to AliExpress and just buy whatever you know. If if you want, you know, I would love you know uh, an or uh, Omega Aquaterra. I would love uh, I would love an Aquaterra. Aquaterra to me is maybe the closest thing to a like if if you ever said you could have any you know any money that you want you know as much money as you want for one watch collection. This is the only watch you can wear, you know. An Aquaterra to me would be about as close as you could get to what I would want, and you know, there's a I don't know if it's called Corju or Corgit or you know they they make Aquaterras, they make Seamaster homages. They, I mean, any any watch you can think of, it's been copied, and and it's not technically copied because it's not it, you're not trying to make it exact, and you're not you're not using like bits and pieces of these real watches. So homages, so to speak. And you can get whatever you want. I have a so actually one of the watches that I do wear on occasion, so my Mecca Quartz um, chronograph is by a company called Parnas. So a Chinese company. But it looks um, very much like a Rolex Daytona. And you can get other brands that will actually try to make it exactly, you know, look like have the same, you know, the sub dials exactly the same and and their lettering, you know, they'll have the red lettering in the center of the the watch to look like the the Daytona. Um, you know, you can purchase those watches. So I I you know, I'd rather just hey, I'm like, let me just go out and buy this. I don't want to have to do all that modifying to to say, hey, I've got a Tudor looking watch on my hand. I'd rather just go out and buy it. Because, you know, that Parnas watch was is like a ninety dollar watch. And it's for ninety bucks, ninety hundred bucks, depending on where you get it. Same thing. It's like you get a mecha, a Seiko Mecha Quartz movement, which looks like an automatic, but it has accuracy of a quartz. It has a sapphire crystal. It has a uh, stainless steel bracelet with solid end links, milled clasp. It's <laughs> you go, wow, this is like actually, you know, you kind of start to question why do you, why would you spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a watch when, you know. The quality. I mean, obviously, you're not talking Rolex. You're not talking the the cost to make a Rolex. I mean, certainly the cost is there, but you have a watch. To me, if you have a sapphire crystal, stainless steel case, milled clasp, you know, has a diver. Even has a diver's extension. <laughs> even though it, I don't, I don't think it's rated for more than fifty mil, fifty meters, but it has a an extension on the uh, on the bracelet. So it's great. And and actually, when I was down in. Uh, when I was down in Naples and it was super hot one day, I'm like, yeah, my band is a little bit tight, so I just took it off, undid it, put it back. I'm like, oh, this is great, you know, it's a great little feature for a hundred dollars. It's, it, you know, it sure it has the name Parnas, which sounds no elegance to it whatsoever, but uh, yeah. In fact, um, you mentioned the, uh, and I think I mentioned to you, but you mentioned the uh, cocktail time, so. I have uh, I bought three watches as part of a experiment. I wanted to get a kind of a dressier, blue-faced watch, so I have a Citizen um, automatic, actually Miyota-powered automatic uh, dress watch. It was a hundred dollars at Long Island Watch. Um, Long Island Watch, if you like to sponsor this podcast. Um, and then I bought two from AliExpress. I bought a uh, don't even remember the names. One is the one that I'm thinking of though is the Pagani design. Again, awful name, P- 
Pagani Design, they actually design no watches. They just basically homage everything. And they did a homage on the cocktail time. So I'm eager, and it's a blue face, but it has that cocktail. It has that uh, that uh, kind of sunburst-looking dial to it. Um, so I'm eager to get those in. But, of course, it's from AliExpress, which means it's going to take like a month for those to get here. But I'm eager to try those out, do a comparison, see which I like best. But, you know, it's. I think if you want to do a homage, the cheap Chinese watches are a good way to do it. You know, you kind of get that satisfaction of looking at something that looks expensive, but, you know, you didn't pay a lot for. Otherwise, if I'm going to spend money on a watch, um, I like to just get unique designs. I love, I love Hamilton's. I'm looking at Hamilton's right now. Uh... You know, I like Oris, Omega, you know, obviously Omega's, you're talking the, the you know, high, much higher tier, but, uh, you know, I like I like watches like Hamilton. The Tissot Visodate is a gorgeous watch. Um, Mido, uh, Mido makes some nice watches. Or So I have that Orient Star, great watch. Beautiful, the World Time bezel on it to me is, I love World Timers. They just have such a, Unique, functional, but still kind of... It's functional, but attractive at the same time. So take a look at this one. How can I take a look at it? Because you did it on Zoom chat, which means that I've got to... Now tap my phone. Because I'm running Zoom off of my phone. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I'm not sure if I like the 15 on that. <laughs> it's kind of throwing me off. I'm thinking that that bezel is crooked. <laughs> okay, so what's 4500p? Oh, $64. Yeah. Yeah, it's like 70 bucks shipped. Yeah. I mean, it'll get to me in about 2 years. They're actually warning that right now shipping time is going to be 1 to 2 months. Yeah. It's all right. So yeah, I don't think I'm quite ready to pull the trigger on it, but I'm I'm intrigued. Like I said, I go I go back to this well every once in a while and go, I should just get a Vostok. I should just you know pick one and 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 enjoy it, and then I never do. Yeah, for for seventy bucks. Yeah, it's a it's an attractive watch, but that's what I like. Sometimes sometimes I just you know when you look at. A cheaper watch and it just looks just right to you you know it's you know if you're talking under a hundred dollars it's uh i mean it's still money but it's not like you're going out and like oh i'm gonna save up all my money and go out and buy a you know a 10 year old omega c master which is worth it you know if you get it for the right price it's a, it's a great watch but yeah it's quite the quite a bit different than. Yeah, I just love I love the concept, you know, growing up in a time where quartz watches were what you buy. The idea of, like, pulling an automatic watch up to your ear, and you can hear, what's whirring around inside, mm. as opposed to just having a quartz watch. You know, if you have a quartz analog watch, you just hear, tick, tick tick it's like well yeah it's i can hear it working but I'm not really hearing it working yeah yep 
Again, Are you buying watches right now? No, I was just trying to find the other watch, and it's it's a Cadison. It's another Chinese brand. So Cadison, Pagani Design, and then the Citizen. And I want to take a look at the three different ones because the, the two Chinese ones are half the price of the Citizen. And the Citizen, I thought, was a fantastic price. It was just, just over $100 for you know an automatic one. So I'm going to compare the three. Uh, if any one of them like really speaks to me, then I'll keep it, and then I'll I'll get rid of the other two. But keep an eye on YouTube. You might see it. You might see a YouTube video out there one of these days comparing the three. Who knows? Oh, is that a is that a teaser for your next uh, endeavor? Might be, might be. It's funny, yeah, because now everything that I open up, so I've got. I'm looking at a website that's not watch related, but of course Google Google has Long Island or Island Watch advertisements. And of course one of them one of the six watches that I'm looking at is the uh one of the uh Seiko Presages with a cocktail with a cocktail t- cocktail time type uh dial. It's the SSA three eighty seven that I'm looking at. Does it have the small seconds? Uh it does not. Good, because I don't like the small seconds. No? Well, it is true. Small seconds is kind of a not a waste on an automatic watch, but it is. it does take away the sexiness of an automatic watch. You like automatic watches because you get the, you know, you either get the six, seven, or eight ticks a second smooth sweep, which is what, you know, that's what really makes you look down at your watch and go, oh, yes, this is not just a battery going tick, 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 tick. And so when you have the small seconds, it's just harder to see that, and it does kind of tick away. So it's not a small seconds, but it actually does have the, uh, in the, where, you know, it has a small subdial where a small seconds could be, but they use that for the date instead. So what was the number on again? Uh, Seiko Presage SSA387. SS8387? A, SSA387. See, Okay. I do like this. I I love the the diamond shaped indices. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of the power reserve. Uh, have you ever had a watch with a power reserve? Um, no. Okay. I my Orient World Timer, my Orient Star World Timer. It has a very busy dial, but one of the di- so the dial has uh, the dial will have a it has a a small seconds, which yeah is annoying. Um, it has a it so it ha- it almost looks like a chrono because it has a small seconds. It has a a small date, but then it also has at the top a power reserve. It's a little bit more understated than this one. Uh, although I do like how svelte the power reserve hand is on it. It does not really. I w- I just wish they took the the words power reserve off of the dial. But the actual dial itself, I do like. But to have a power reserve, it's kind of one of those things that you go, it's going to make the dial busy. It's going to make it fussy. I don't need it. But once you have it, and you pick out a watch, and you you look, is it running? And then you don't question how far you wind it. You know, just it's it's kind of one of those things that you go, oh, now that you have it, it's Actually, something that I really, really do enjoy having, just to look down and and just know what the watch has for power. It's a simple thing. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it any better. And it just. It, I don't think I can convince you, 
by saying it. But once you have it, it's kind of one of those things that once you have it, you go, oh, yeah. It's like the... Uh, it was like when I got my, my Lincoln a few years ago. And the... You know, I got it from auction. And it came with every option. And one of the options that I thought just sounded ridiculous was the heated steering wheel. I thought... Heated steering wheels. It's like your car gets warm. If and if you can, if you can, if you can start it in the morning remotely, you're not even in the car yet, and you've got it running. What's the point, really? What is the point? If you live in the south, or if you live in someplace that's warm, you might not ever get to understand the point. But when it's cold, and your seats are warm, you know, okay. But you don't realize how your hands. You know, it's it's just it's like how your body functions when it goes into hypothermia, and it's when you get, you know, when you start getting frostbite. That's kind of your body's way of saying, okay, your fingers and toes don't matter. I need to keep heat closer to your core, otherwise you're gonna die. So, you know, you're you don't realize how much your how cold your fingers and toes get, even when you've started to warm up. Those are the last things to warm up. So when you get into a car, and that heated steering wheel is on, and your hands get warmed up it's 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 just a feeling that is like okay it's like i would have thought it was the most superfluous needless pointless thing now that i have a heated steering wheel i would have a very hard time going to a car that did not have a heated steering wheel i would want that in every single car that i had more than heated seats because while heated seats are nice to get into you know if you've got them cranked up and then you sit in it and it's a cold day you're like oh this is so nice and warm thing is is that once you're once your body is sat on that seat for a while and that interchange of heat, you know, you're, you're first you're heating up the seat and then the seat and you kind of heat up each other. It's like, you know, there's a point where you don't need heated seats anymore unless you got a bad back. Then, you know, then to have heat yeah. applied is great. So that, that's where I really love the heated seats is if I've been like out doing something and then my back is wrecked and then it's cold and just getting in there and having that warmth on your back that's that that's where i find the heated seats get and that important. and that i will always i freely admit that is a definite plus but if you don't have a problem and you know heated seats are great when you get started but within about 5 or 10 minutes anyway once you've been sitting in a seat it's equalized you've kind of you know your body heat's warmed up if it's leather if it's vinyl <laughs> if it's my Chevy Citation with vinyl seats totally different story here but if we're talking modern leather seats even leatherette seats they warm up steering wheels and it's funny because i would hop into dad's car if if, you know if my car was getting worked on dad would let me borrow the wrx for a day or two i would get in that car and unless i had the vents blowing heat directly to the steering wheel i would drive home and my hands would still be cold and that steering wheel would still be relatively cold compared to the the ambient temperature inside the car heated steering wheel and that's something that even when it's warmer like you just want to grab onto something hot it's almost therapeutic it's kind of like for a bad back it's like just to turn on a heated heated steering wheel is amazing so a huge proponent it's kind of like that with a power reserve do you absolutely need it no but once you have it you don't like when i switch from my orient star to my glycine I don't really know where it is. I don't know when it's going to die out. You know, is it like a few minutes away from losing its power? I don't know. To to look down and say, oh, I've got eight hours of power left. Okay, I know exactly what I got. It's, uh, 
but it needs to be incorporated nicely into the dial, which I think, I think for the most part, Seiko does. Although I will say, some of the Grand Seikos with the power reserve, I don't really like the way they just slap it on there. But it's it certainly has to be integrated nicely. But I do like the power reserve, and I like it on this watch. I like it a lot. Yeah, I think if it just didn't have the line, I think it would be fine. I like the, the line. It kind of. I like the line. I just I think it could do without the words "power reserve" because I think we know what it is. The, the the other difficulty I have with that watch is looking so much like the cocktail time, and not having the scalloped face, because that is the hallmark of the cocktail time. Well, yeah. Okay, how about? So 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 when we talk about jewelry, okay, I've seen pictures of the cocktail time and I was like, ooh, that's very nice. I really like that. And then I finally got to see one last year at a uh, at a store in a mall because the early cocktail times they were just gray market imports from Japan. Mm-hmm. And then when they switched them over to the Brassage, so it was it was a lower cost um, yeah. unit and they replicated the face. It's like, okay, well, this is cheaper. It's nine-tenths of what the watch was. Um, but you can just buy it retail in the U.S. And I saw it in a store at a mall, and I was I was blown away with how the light danced off of that scalloped watch. Mm. And for people, if, if you haven't looked at the cocktail time, um, I'm looking at the SRP B43. SRP what? And, SRPB43. And this is the classic cocktail time. It's it's got a light blue hue to the uh to the face. Um to silver face. indices, silver indices and silver hands which which I hate. I want I want contrast in my watches, but I don't care cuz this one just looks so gorgeous. And the scalloping, it has um, ribs that radiate out from the center in a sunburst, but they're marked with large scallops at every second, and then fine scallops at every tenth of a second. Are they so as that mo- are they sea scallops or bay scallops? Shut up. <laughs> so as the as the movement is doing, it's very fine through. It's lining up the second movement with the the beautiful design on the face. And just to me, that's sort of incorporating the art of the piece with the technology of the piece is kind of what really sucks me into this watch. It's not just, hey, we put pretty stuff on it. It's It's highlighting how it functions and why it's different than just having a quartz that looks nice. Mm-hmm. And those are, like you said, the, the 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 cocktail time dials are, you know, for the price range, it's you might be able to find watches that have better specs, you know, that have, you know, you could get watches that maybe have a more reliable movement, have a, a sapphire crystal, um, but you don't get just the vivid visual display um, that that watch can put out with that type of dial. Um there is actually one other that I wanted to. So look up. Uh, tell me what you think about the the cocktail time 
SSA392. I would love... This is a watch I would absolutely have to see in person before I pull the trigger because it's such a unique looking unique looking dial. So, so the brown does look very nice. But again, this is... It's got that sort of... Um, that that crumpled paper, that sort of antique finish to the face. Oh, that's and what I you call it. And I... Well, what do you call it? What is the name? Give me... Roll out some knowledge on us, Jimmy. I don't have anything for you. I just think it looks good. Okay. I have taste. I have mad taste skills, y'all. <laughs> I'm trying to find I'm trying to find a picture online that, that pops. Ooh. Yeah, that's see Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to uh when I get it in I'll show you the Pagani design watch that mimics the cocktail time. But so so I saw the this same colorway, but with the cocktail time scalloping, mm -hmm. and actually the brown and gold. It's it's probably the most vivid that I've seen that style on. It's probably not the one I would buy, but um, let me see if I can find it. Ooh, here now here's the thing. If you want if you want to get rid of the power reserve, um. There is the hold on. What's the name of this? I lost it. Uh, SRPD thirty six. It basically is the same watch, sans power reserve and uh, date sub uh, sub dial, but it actually puts the date at the three o'clock and the traditional okay. date wheel. So look for the SRPB forty six. Who me? Yeah. You know how many people that are going to be driving right now are just going to hate us? Oh, yeah. No, this is the worst content ever. I'll probably cut this all. This will be in the uh, in the subscriber content and the in the extra audio section. Yes, I see. So SRPB46. Yep, I'm looking at it now. So it's the same colorway, but it has the scalloping. Mm. And this one, this one catches the light because it has that sort of that that root beer brown glow from the inside it probably has the most color change in the sunburst mm. sunburst that is a glorious glorious watch yeah i would want to find a cocktail time with uh i want to find a pre-presage with the with a sapphire crystal and yeah i just don't get i, I don't understand why they try to keep using hard lex on dress watches I understand it on their divers, but not on dress watches. Never got that. Yeah. Well, in the end, sometimes you got to hit a price point. Yeah, I know, but at the same time, that's the thing. They're going upscale with their prices. You know, that's what they've done with the Seiko Five collection. Is they've gone away from the hardcore diver styles and more of a fashion watch style. They've come up with some really, really nice designs, but they've gone to a push-pull crown instead of a screw-down. You know, they've they've gone with uh, thinner gaskets on the case backs to, you know, to drop down to 100 meters, which ultimately is not a big deal because no one's ever going to take it past 100 meters anyway. But, you know, you kind of feel like you're you're losing some things and the price is going up. But... They're making the watches look more attractive, 
which is what's driving up the price, which is kind of annoying because you want, hey, why don't we keep the prices where they were and, you know, make the watches look nicer. And, you know, Seiko, you know, as a business is doing the smart thing, but to the enthusiast is driving them crazy. I personally, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to spend four or five, six hundred dollars on a dress watch, you know, uh, the, you know, to a, to a supplier, you know, I mean, to someone that wants to mod the watch, you're spending what, 30, 40 bucks on a crystal, but to supplier, you're spending what, 10, 15 bucks on a, on a crystal. I'd just much rather spend an extra 10, 15, 20 dollars and get a sapphire crystal than a piece of hard lex. So, but that's just me. And that also wouldn't keep me from buying that watch. It might be a factor if I could see if I could find a watch that looked close as close to as nice. Now, what is this? They have a they have a blue dial cocktail time presage on Island Watch for three thirty eight, and it's on a metal bracelet. Nice. And I like the, I mean I I'm a sucker for a blue dial. I'm an absolute sucker. That's why. This uh, this comparison that I'm doing of the three watches, like I said, they're all blue dials because I said I I don't really have a good blue dial watch. I do have a Seiko blue dial. It's the, the that Recraft watch that I have, but it's not dressy. It's more a casual watch. So, but yeah, I could talk watches for hours. I love watches. I love looking at watches. I love you know. I love seeing modded watches. I love seeing comparing. You know, seeing how they how they look in on pictures, how they look on the wrist. Uh, it's just uh, it's kind of like taking my hobby away from cars, which is like super expensive, to watches, which can also be super expensive. But the nice thing about it is that you can have an enjoyable watch collection and be able to buy and sell watches if you you know if you can buy them for the right price. Or if you don't mind losing a few bucks every time because you enjoy that coming and going, you know, trying new things, seeing something that excites you, you know, plopping down two, three hundred dollars for a watch, but you sell a watch to help pay for it. You know, it's it can be an expensive hobby, but that's the nice thing is that it can be a completely inexpensive hobby. You know, you, you can you can buy watches that are all in the hundred dollar range and get some like really fun things to, to, to play around with, you know, without going crazy. And still have something that looks really nice. I mean, I love when I I love when I go and I, you know, I, I meet up with friends. You know, I see I have a friend of mine that has this really really slick uh, silver and gold two tone citizens watch, and it's a quartz. But when he wears it, it looks fantastic. And you know, at some point you gotta go. Well, you know, you might have some watch snobs that go, well, it's a not it's not an automatic, or it's a citizen, or it's basic, or it's this and that. It's like, yeah, but you know what? Sometimes you just wanted to tell the time and look good on your wrist. And I've got no problems with people that want to do that. You know, if they want to buy only quartz, you know, that, and that's the great, that's the thing I like about watches. I think with cars, cars have to serve a purpose. You know, you can well overspend on a car. You can spend for status and not get value. You can spend for value and have no frills whatsoever, you know, but there's, sometimes there's no emotion involved. And I like watches because there's always... I think in, I think in any watch that anyone buys, there is some form of emotion to it, to some degree, whether it's small or large. It's like I don't know of anyone that just says, "Buy me a watch." I don't care what it looks like. I think even to to the to the simplest person that has no desire in watches, they at least 
when you put something on their wrist, they want it to go, oh, this looks appropriate. This looks nice. This looks, you know, gorgeous. This looks utilitarian. Some people just like that. That's why people love Casios. And not all Casios. I mean, I, actually, I would love a... Oh, what's the name of it? Oh, I forget the name. The Casio with the, the, with the durable movement. The, it's... We like you and your reliable ways. <laughs> oh no it's is it durable or tough move i forget what it is i'll have to look it up it's, that'll it's, be that'll be something for another time it's it's that it's that it's that architectural movement between between brutalism and postmodernism you get that durable <laughs> durableism is that the movement we're talking about actually hold on tough movement casio tough movement uh get that tough stuff Oh, the, is it the edifice line? I think it's the edifice. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh. Oh, yes. I do like some edifice watches. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 I'm So I'm a sucker for anything that advertises on Formula One. Oh. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. It's like, ooh. Yeah, edit, you know, I, I'll say Casio Edifice is, is uh, it's, it's an attractive brand. And it's cool too because you can actually buy them. You know, Casio makes models that look like the uh, the Royal Oaks of the uh, AP AP brand. Mm. Man, I need to put notes in front of me because I forget half of the stuff I'm talking about. I, I start looking at the, I start looking at the computer and I'm like, ooh, ooh, things, things. It's it's, it's the watch that they made with the. It's got the the two hands, and there's the other one for the seconds, uh, and it's like it's not the it's not the goodest one, but it's it's sort of the mediumest one. <laughs> I like that one. That one was nice. No, I know. I I actually have a Casio watch. I bought it at Kohl's like I don't know a decade ago, and it's just a basic dive watch. But I liked it. It had an orange face, and and the only reason I don't wear it anymore is I it had a rubber band and the and it broke. Mm. and it was a um it was a, a a proprietary rubber band like it had it it wasn't just a universal you know 20 millimeter band it it had like little funky teeth and everything like that so you had to order their band to fit it or buy another rubber band and like cut it with exacto knives and get it to fit mm. <laughs> and it was like the band getting a band from them was the same price as the watch was new and it's like well okay so this is a disposable watch yeah oh and the other brand it's actually not uh edifice was definitely one of the ones that i like but the other brand that i really like that i'm looking at the sub brand is the cast the other one the casio oceanus oceanus yes let me see if i can find a uh so the oceanus uh, S, let's see, the S1000 AJF. And these are expensive. We're talking for $400 plus for these bad boys. But you can get them in titanium with those uh, tough movements. Just very understated, very elegant looking watch for a Casio. Especially for a Casio. If you like that sort of thing. I do. How about the uh, Oceanus T150 2AJF? 
I do believe these are... Do they, are these atomic? Yes. I believe they are. Oh, they, they like do the radio signal to update the time? Uh, yes, they're radio controlled. So this one has a beautiful... I think it. I think it's a silverish dial, but because there's so much blue, every all the hand, the hands are blue, the indices are blue, everything is blue, but it just gives it the whole dial kind of a bluish, bluish look to it. And it's a solar, so it's a solar quartz, uh, sapphire, anti-reflective coating. Uh, it's got it's a hard coated titanium. It's radio controlled with the world timer with a perpetual calendar. It's a pretty sweet watch. So it'll always stay calibrated. It'll always stay accurate. I mean, it's it's not enough for me to spend that sort of money on. If I did have the money just sitting around, I'd probably want to reach out and touch one of these. Oh, I've got so many. Leslie would hate me right now. I've got so many, so many browser windows. <laughs> Browser tabs going on on my computer right now. I started off this, I started off in this, uh, this cast with uh, maybe three. Now I've got like twelve. <laughs> <laughs> Just populating all your tabs. I'm slowly killing them now. I'm like, let me erase these. Oh, I got the Green Onion song loaded. I got the LG V60. Oh, I got, I've got the, a page up on it. I've got a YouTube video queued up for it. I've got. Uh, I've got a Hamilton watch in my in my Ashford cart right now, which I will not purchase. But I wanted to see how much it was with the twelve percent off. It's a good deal. It's hard to find a it's hard to find an automatic Jazzmaster for under six hundred dollars, and this one it does have a small seconds, but it looks really nice. Um, and this one would be like four hundred and thirty. Again, not buying it, but. But just nice to nice to look at. I love shopping. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, half the fun is picking something out. Hmm. Yeah. I typically window shop whatever it is I'm buying a billion times over before I actually pull the trigger on something. Yeah. Have you ever nothing like getting? Have you ever looked at the Corum Bubble watches? Corum Bubble. Corum. C O R U M. Bubble. They have this radically domed crystal, which which really accentuates the dial, and they've got a whole ton of different uh, designs. But there's one that uh, Joma Shop keeps listing, and it and it's it's a stop sign. So if you if you just type in Corum Bubble Stop, you'll see it. Now the problem is the pictures don't do it justice because you need to see at an angle what uh what that bubble will do <laughs> okay but they have a they have a bunch of stuff actually they've got one that's uh they've got one that's a golf ball and then i think it has uh the hands are only exposed at the very edges so the hands don't go over the ball it's just a just an indicator around the edges of the of the design itself so how do you keep from scratching this thing a million times a day? Oh, don't ask me. Well, if it's a sapphire crystal, it's not going to scratch. Yeah, it's... Holy, okay, yes. So, so ladies and gentlemen, or 
gentle person that is listening. <laughs> uh, I can buy this through Walmart. Let's see. If I click on this one, it takes me to walmart.com. The Corum Bubble 52 Stop Collection, one of 88 limited edition men's watch. Only one left at $2,475. Or you can get it at Joma Shop today for $1,375. This thing costs more than my first two cars. <laughs> Combined. Combined. Actually, <laughs> actually, this would cost... Well, I can't say my first three cars because the SHO is my third car, so... But it costs more than my first two cars combined. Plus some. I would, ha I would have to be in a radically different life situation in order to pull this off. <laughs> yes, you we would. would need, we would need millions of listeners. So um, those of you who are listening, tell your friends. Yes. If we can get millions of listeners, we can buy any watch we want whenever and just talk about that. And it would be great. I tell you, it would be great. This has been Fool Injectors with the Pappas Brothers and occasionally a reluctant Leslie Pappas. Theme music is entitled Continuing the Way by Vlad Gushenko, available on SoundCloud. This doesn't belong in the meat department. Don't be lazy, Andrew. I'm, I'm not that good an audio editor. <laughs> it took me half an hour just to figure out how to line up the two audio files. So. <laughs> So I'm glad you're so, so into this because I know I can just ride you for all the editing, at least for the, <laughs> at least for the first few hundred episodes. And I'm looking like that guy. Yes, I'm that guy. The one that was on the news all over the country for the past like three or four days. I'm that guy.